Hello. Hey. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I, I'm always so appreciative of anybody that takes the time to listen to my podcast. Uh, today, today I'm going to be reading part seven of my Gatekeeper series. This is uh, there's this one and one more, and, and I'll be done with the Gatekeeper series. Um, however. I do have a, a surprise. Um, I'm currently working on part nine and I hope to have it, I hope to finish writing it by the time I need to record that episode. So um, I'm going to release the episode the, or I'm going to post the uh, the poem on Facebook the same time I release the episode. So those of you that have me on Facebook or on Instagram, watch for that. Um, I'm excited. You know, I, I completely forgot, I guess that I have not finished the gatekeeper series and this, you know, starting to read these on, on my podcast kind of gave me some new inspiration to finish it. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, anyway, I had somebody give me the feedback that I don't need to do this, but I still feel like I need to, um, just out of respect for people um and that is just a heads up i swear a lot in this one um i was writing it from from depression's point of view you know the last one i wrote from my point of view and i was pissed off at depression but this one's from depression's point of view and i kind of just wanted to like write it in in a way that i thought depression would talk (laughs) so uh, let me know what you think, you know, if, if I did a good job on that or not. Um, anyways, so this is part seven. It's, it's a letter from my enemy. So I'll just get right into it. All right, here we go. Part seven, a letter from my enemy. Dear Clyde, I must say I was surprised to see that you wrote me. From my experience, people like you tend to be difficult to connect with whether it be because of their optimistic perception, so fucking annoying, by the way, or because of their total ignorance towards my existence. Either way, people like you are the most elusive for me and my crew. The pesky pesky optimists pose challenges because they always seem to find light in the darkest of places. Sometimes I think they're just too fucking stupid to be in touch with reality. Like, I swear... I could paint over the faces of half their family picture and those little bastards would just reprint the damn thing and hang it back up. Then there are the ignorant little bitches. They're either too caught up in their own existence or so terrified of my crew and I that they completely block us out of their entity. They're even more aggravating than the optimist fuckheads because unlike the optimists, It seems like there really isn't a single second of vulnerability for us to sneak our way in. As for you, you've always been the one that got away, so to say. I think it's because of your optimistic mind. However, your particular optimism is kind of one of a kind. It's like you always seem to find that peaceful peace of mind, but that vulnerable peace of time has always been easier than most, for us to find. And lately, it has been a longer duration of time, which we felt was a good sign. 
We thought your optimistic tank was finally running dry. That is, until I read your letter. Now I see you were just allowing yourself to live in that vulnerable state of mind so that you could gather intel on this organization of mine. I must say, that was rather brave. Essentially, you were living behind enemy lines. I should have known, but your uncanny ability to portray a broken but courageous man while in the presence of your friends and fam, and then to see that persona shed like snakeskin when no one was looking, we truly thought we had infiltrated your heart while it was, while it was broken. Shit. I'm just now realizing why we haven't been able to find your mind. See, usually once we've gained access to the heart, we can follow the tracks of feelings to the mind. You, you humans are so foolish to think your feelings originate within your heart. I guess I shouldn't be so rash because we are grateful for this misconception, which we didn't create, by the way. That misconception was developed by your people. As you said, we use your most delicate insecurities by following their tracks back to where they came from, your mind. Anyways, you may have won this battle, but I assure you this is just the beginning of the war between you, me, and my crew. With respect, depression, commander-in-chief of dismay. Oh, and P.S. You can hate me all you fucking want, but your ambition is a pile of shit without my existence. Huh, all right. So, man, yeah, I, I actually remember writing this and thinking... I could go so many different ways um, with this this response letter, right? But uh, I think you know, I think the the, sh- the semi short and sweetness to it was was just right. Um, but I'm just gonna kind of get into some, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, of hidden meta- metaphors, but or hidden, you know, you know backstories as to why I wrote what I wrote but um I'll just go in just get into it and we'll just just talk a little bit more in depth about it so um the the first or the second sentence right from my experience people like you tend to be difficult to connect with um and then I go on to say it's either the optimistic or the ignorance um and I feel like that's kind of the, the two tales of, of depression, right? It's either people are extremely optimistic and, and rarely find themselves in a depressive state or they're too ignorant. Um, you know, and that was actually me for a really long time was the ignorant person. I, I refused to believe that I was depressed and, uh, you know, it took it took a few years for me to finally admit it. And then, you know, after that, it was still really uncomfortable to admit something like being depressed. But uh, it also was kind of refreshing. Not kind of. I mean, it, it really was refreshing. But I think the refreshing part of it actually has come from time. 
it's it's come with time you know with time of of being okay with that depression not okay with it but okay with admitting it and so anyways um i go into you know a little bit later we'll get into it but you know i i I say how depression thought that I was the optimistic person, but I'll kind of touch more on that when I get to it. But anyway, so, um, yeah, the, the pesky optimists pose challenges, um, because, you know, it's like, like I, I wrote later on in that paragraph is, you know, depression could, and, and this is actually a, one of those hidden metaphors, right? Where I say, um, I swear I could paint over the faces of half their family picture and they would just reprint and hang it back up. Kind of two sides to that is, you know, the optimist is, is looking at that like, oh, dang it, you know, somebody ruined my family picture, but oh, well, I'll just reprint it. But the hidden part of that is like, um, I think... You know, what I mean by that is obviously not a, a legitimate or like a a physical brush stroke of, of paint. What I mean is like people in that family picture could be depressed, but the optimists don't see it, right? They, they look at that picture and see just the beauty that it is, you know, the smiling faces, but behind the smiling faces are the, the depressed or the, the depressed eyes. And, you know, I, 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 maybe it's just me, but, and just cause I'm kind of morbid or whatever, but like, I, I look at some old photos or I look at family pictures and I, I look in the eyes and I, you know, I wonder, like how many people in that picture are depressed, you know, how many people are battling depression and and how many people within that picture know about the person who's battling depression? Is that person talking about it? Are they not right? Like, and so I, I, that's kind of what I meant by that whole sentence was, um, you know, we, family pictures are are always such a beautiful thing. And I I don't want to ruin that by any means, but um, I just, yeah, my mind kind of just goes that direction sometimes and just wonders, you know, looking back at one family picture that we have, like I look at it quite often and, and I hope my brother's okay with me saying this cause I don't, I haven't asked for permission and it's too late, but, uh, I look at it and I see a depressed person. I, I look at him and I see a depressed person and then, you know, and I, I even kind of wonder if my mom or my dad and my sister are also depressed you know, it was, that was kind of an interesting photo that we had. And, you know, the time after that has, has told a different story than what I thought at that point in time. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, so then we get into the ignorant little bitches, <laughs> right? Um, I think the next line in that is they're either too caught up in their own existence or so terrified that they completely block us out. So yeah, the first part of that, right? They're either too caught up in their own existence, meaning they're just, they don't care about any, anything or, or they, you know, they're, they're the, uh, the cocky, the, 
the proud people and so they don't like take time to be vulnerable and i think i i even go on in the in the very last sentence yeah it's you know there there really isn't a single second of vulnerability and that's kind of what i what i picture with people like that and even myself like when i was ignorant i think part of my ignorance was driven because i thought i was better than depression you know i thought i was better than sadness um but anyway the next part is you know or they're so terrified that they completely block us out uh also true for me speaking from my my situation you know i was i seen what depression has done and so there were moments that i was like man maybe i am depressed but it scared the shit out of me and i didn't want to admit it you know even though i knew and I would always encourage people to admit it. You know, I've always said that we need to talk about it. Um, and just like most advice, it's easier said than done. Uh, but yeah, that was for sure me. Like, I did not want to admit that I was depressed for many reasons. You know, one being I didn't want to worry anybody. Um, and two being like, I didn't want to really own or, or think about what that actually meant um so yeah and here's where i get into you know you've always been the one that got away i think it's because of your optimistic mind so i kind of tell this story a little bit where i say it's like you always seem to find that peaceful peace of mind but that vulnerable piece of time has always been easier than most for us to find. And so what I meant by that was, um, I've always, maybe not publicly, maybe not to anybody, but even if you, if you read some of my old poetry, you know, you'll, you'll see the person hiding behind the words that I was writing, which was a sad, depressed person. So I, I've always had those moments where I sit in my sadness and I and I accept it and I feel and I and that's where my poetry would come from. But early on in my writing, like it always turned I would always find a way to turn it into me being me conquering that feeling. Where in reality, I don't think I actually did. I wanted to paint the picture to everybody reading that I did, but in reality, I didn't. Um, so that's kind of what I meant by that is like, I would see the sadness, but then I would always write it in a way that would show people the peaceful peace of mind. So yeah, um, Anyway, uh, and then, you know, this is where I, so that was depression's point of view, right? Was that I, that he thought, um, I was the optimistic until I read your letter. And then I, I go on in the next paragraph. Now I see you are just allowing yourself to live in that vulnerable state of mind so that you could gather intel on this organization of mine. Um, you know, all along, like I said, I, I have been one to sit in my feelings, sit in my emotions and try to learn from it. I did create 
and write it in a way to to show the peaceful peace of mind and I I most of the time I hadn't actually found that but what that writing did for me was give me a new perspective to kind of run with for a little while you know it it would take some time for me to after I've written something for it to actually become part of me if that makes sense and so you know that's what I meant by that like I was gathering intel um and then you know I like the the line your uncanny ability to portray a broken but courageous man exactly what I'm saying with my poetry right I, I write about the sadness but then I overcome it um while in the presence of your friends and fam and then to see that persona shed like snakeskin when no one was looking like I can't tell you guys how many times I would lock myself in my closet in the darkness and just cry um I, I would just cry and either that or I would go for a run and and most of the run would be me crying you know I, I had pain that I I didn't really quite understand and I think the reason I didn't quite understand is because part of me was creating some poetry that was important you know it was important poetry for my friends and family to read because it was help I, I was hoping that it would help them you know in their sadness but I always put on this uh this persona you know like even thinking back to my dad's funeral you know, and, and I could be totally delusional about this, but, and, and I know that I did cry throughout it, but I felt like I was kind of, at least I took it upon myself to try to be the, the strong one through it all, even though I'm the youngest and I could be totally delusional. You know, my, my sister and brother could probably have a different perspective on it, but I, from my perspective and the thing that I was trying to do was be the, the strong one, be the, the person holding everybody up. And then I would go away from those moments and just break down. I would lose it. But I, I didn't want people to see that necessarily. Um, anyway, uh, and then, yeah, going into the last, the last paragraph, you humans are so foolish to think your feelings originate within your heart. Um, I might go back on, on that today. Um, but I think... Actually, no, I don't. You know, our, our feelings and our emotions for sure come from our mind. They are, they are choices. Um, and I'm sure that's a, a statement that can be argued, and I would love to hear arguments on that. But, but feelings and choices are actually, or feelings and emotions, from my perspective, my point of view they are choices and they do originate from our mind right it's something happens and our mind remembers something that equals pain and so whatever happens equals pain which equals tears or sadness or whatever the choice of feeling and emotion that we have anyway you get it right so um yeah, and and we try to uh I 
I think what I was trying to say here is that it's actually the opposite, right? We think it starts in our heart and then we, it goes to our mind, but it starts from our mind and then we let it go to our heart. And that's where, um, depression gains access to the heart is, or sorry, I'm all confused and whatever. I'm having a ton of thoughts right now, by the way, this is like sparking a lot of things that I need to go immediately right after this and write down. But yeah, they gain access to the heart and then they follow the tracks, right? Because we think that it starts anyways. They, they gain access to a depression gains access to our mind. And that's when it starts to take over. And that's when we start to believe and we start to feel like those feelings and those emotions are no longer a choice. We, we succumb to the fact that depression is something that has the ability to control us. And I know there's people out there battling depression. I know there's people out there that are on medication for that and do it, do what you need to do. I've battled my depression a different way. And the way that I've done it to, to just to put it simply is I've realized that it, it is a choice for me to go there. It is a choice for me to feel depressed. And I don't, I, you know, we, we don't need to sit here and compare each other's depression to one another. And, and I know one of the arguments can come up that, okay, well then maybe your depression isn't real depression, Clyde. And maybe that is true. Maybe that is true. However, however, whatever I was feeling, whatever I, that feeling that I identify as depression, it has led me to become me to be face to face with suicide. So I don't, yeah, that's, that's facts. And so the way I've overcome and the way I continue to battle depression is understanding my choice in it all. You know, I refuse to let depression be something that I can't, that I basically have to give myself up to, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I will never take medication for it because there may be some day that I need to, because to those arguments points, maybe I haven't gotten to that point. I don't know, but I haven't, I have not gotten to the point that I feel like I need medication. It's, I've been able to overcome in different ways. And I will never sit here and try to encourage, like, I mean, maybe, maybe I will encourage people to, to try that. But if medication and if that type of treatment works for you and is something that you need, do it. I don't want, I don't want to influence somebody not to and then have it be the, be, and then have them not be able to treat their depression. All right. So I know I can come off very hard and black and white on this matter. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people 
actually one person in particular and and it I hear it and I totally understand it and I've I've tried to change the way I talk about this matter. And the way I want to talk about it is honestly my my story, my perception, the way I've done it. Not saying it's Bible, not saying it's the way, the only way. It is a way. All right. And then just to top all this off, all right, the last P.S. statement from depression. You can hate me all you fucking want, but your ambition is a pile of shit without my existence. Whew. I, what I mean by that is my ambition to become a life coach, my ambition to write this poetry, my ambition to discover, you know, myself has all come from depression. And so that statement is one of my favorite things I've ever written. It is absolutely true. If not for depression, I would not have the ambition I have to become and to be who I want to become. And so I love that. Um, I'm grateful for the the things that depression has taught me, the things that I've learned, the things that I'm going to continue to learn. You know, I'm, I'm depression isn't just something that you get rid of. Um, it's something you manage. It's something that you get better at managing. It's not something you get rid of. It's, it's not something that it's a part of us all. If, if you want my honest opinion, depression is a part of us all. And if you want to be the ignorant, be that ignorance. If that works for you, if it's working for you, continue to do that. If you want to be the optimist, be the optimist. If that's working for you, if you want to take medication, take medication. If it's working for you, right? Like there's no one cure all, so to say. Um, anyways, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, I look forward to finishing up part nine. Um, I hope it's good. I really have a very low self-esteem when it comes to writing these days, but we'll see. Anyway, take care guys. Bye.